0: hello and welcome to the pd performance podcast today's episode of the podcast is a conversation with irish 800 meter and 1500 meter runner nadia power nadia is currently recovering from a foot injury she tore her plantar fascia at the bottom of her foot which is a very serious injury and she has since been to south africa for a recovery rehabilitation training camp over there so we talked about the injury the lessons she has learned from the injury, how she got on in camp in South Africa. She has also just moved to London. So we talked about what has spurred on that move, how that move has gone. And we talked a lot about her goals for the rest of the season, as well as her stellar performance in the indoor season before the injury. Over the course of this conversation, we talked a lot about psychological approach to training, to injury, to recovery to performance. Nadia is an incredibly driven elite athlete who is gonna be back on the track doing great things very, very soon. But she does so as a result of the incredible support she gets from her support network of teammates, of coaches, of friends, and from her parents. We touched on all of the above, as well as talking about how she manages to switch off, how she has a new approach to her training and her performance and how she doesn't let her performance get to her anymore we also talked about building a brand or a personal brand as an athlete to engage sponsors and how sponsors can then add value to the athletes that they see as the face of their brand so really enjoyable conversation guys i hope you all enjoy it and take something from it and remember if you do enjoy it please remember to like it share it and send it Season 2 of the PD Performance Podcast is kindly sponsored by Output Sports. Output Sports make athlete testing and monitoring simple, portable and efficient. Their single sensor tool enables the measurement of over 160 exercises spanning agility, speed, power, mobility, reactive strength and much more. The tech is utilised by the FA, Leinster Rugby, Limra Curling and your very own PD Performance to name but a few. But also gyms, clinics and schools around the UK and Ireland and they're now branching out into the States as well. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 5% off with the code PT5, P-E-T-E-Y 5. So get onto Output Sports as soon as you possibly can because I am achieving great things with my sensor that I've been using so far this season. I've had great buy-in with my athletes and I've been using it myself too and I gotta say it's a lot of fun. So contact Output Sports with code PT5 to avail of your discount. This podcast is also sponsored by Coach Sam Portland's mentorship program. Sam's mentorship program helps strength and conditioning coaches to navigate the minefield that is the SNC industry at the moment. Sam is big on education and you'll certainly learn a lot about speed, change of direction and general SNC over the course of the program, but there's also a big emphasis placed on personal development as well something that's definitely missed in the traditional education system, especially in s You'll learn about business, self-care, and much, much more. And look, the proof is in the pudding. I entered the program over a year ago as a burnt out coach that was sick of the industry and struggling with confidence. And now I have a podcast and my own private training business. So I'd highly recommend getting in touch with Sam. And if you are interested, simply contact him. Over on Instagram or Facebook using the code PERFORMANCE to avail of a discount. You can find him at Coach Sportland if you're looking for him on Instagram or Facebook. And if you want him via email, it's sam at CoachSportland.co.uk. Remember, code performance and you'll get a nice little discount. Now, onto the podcast. Nadia, how are you doing? You're over in London. So, how has the big move gone? And welcome to the PD Performance Podcast as well, I guess.
1: Um, thanks, Mill, for having me. Um, yeah, so I moved over a week today. Um, so I am based in East London, so I'm pretty happy with my area. But um, I got sick like as soon as I got here. So that was a bit of a setback. Um, so I had to miss a few days of training. I think I was just tired and stressed from the move anyway. So, um, yeah, that was a setback. But just, yeah, getting into a routine now just the last few days.
0: You're not having much luck are you?
1: No it's been a series of unfortunate events for me probably since last summer I'd say so um, yeah just a few things going wrong the whole time.
0: So what spurred the move to London because I know it happened rather quickly which probably led to a little bit of more of an increase in stress which may have led to you be feeling a little bit run down and then getting sick, I guess. So how did it just come together so fast and what was the reasoning behind it?
1: Um well it was fast ish, I would say. Like I moved to a new coach in a London based group in March, like straight after indoor season, and then um and then my plan was just to finish up college in DCU and then move over at the start of the summer. So um I started looking for somewhere to stay when I was in um, South Africa and then I kind of was like trying to time it in that it would be exactly when I got back running. Um, so that was kind of hard to know exactly. So I came home from South Africa on training camp at the start of um, May and then I kind of gave myself three weeks and then I had like a place ready and then I had to delay it about 10 days because my foot just still wasn't ready. So I was trying to time it for then. So um, yeah, happy to be here now, kind of timed it for exactly when I was ready to, to start back training and um, like doing sessions on the grass and on the track.
0: So that's what I was going to ask about the foot injury. Could you talk to us a little bit around what has happened and are you back to track now or are you just transitioning back to track? So you're trying to up your loads and up your plyos, I suppose, before you get back to that repetitive strain of the training that is entailed for 800 and 1500 meters
1: yeah I would say I'm very much still in the transitional phase and um, so that would always be probably one of the trickiest phases of every injury because you have to just like get that right and especially with my injury so basically um, I had a tear in my plantar fascia which is like um, it's like the tendon under your foot um, and then like quite quite um, bad plantar fasciitis as well which is like an inflammation of that tendon so basically I've been dealing with that since like the end of December and I just thought it was just plantar uh, fasciitis like a not a tear and I wasn't really aware that you could like tear it from running through it so much so like I was kind of told that it was an injury I could manage because it's like inflammation based so you can kind of like like ice it and take like painkillers and kind of like rest it and then load it when when it works so I was kind of trying to manage it like that and like obviously rehabbing it and stuff but um yeah it was it was too it was too bad so obviously I ran through it so much in the indoor season that I guess I tore it at some stage um and then continued to race, (laughs) and then, um, yeah, so, and then obviously found out it was a tear, so then I had to stop, and then I got a PRP injection, and then, yeah, had to go through the whole resting and rehab phase.
0: It's not a comfortable injury to have, or inflammation to have at the bottom of your foot, because it's like all those injuries, you only realize how much you need your feet to walk around and do daily live, acts of daily living when you can't do it anymore when you're in pain. But you must have a pretty high pain tolerance if you're going out running indoor 1500 PBs with serious plantar fasciitis. Um, do you have a high pain tolerance, would you say? Or do you think you just managed it, your loads really, really well so that you could kind of still hit that PV and still push yourself a little bit harder at the optimal kind of times on the track?
1: No, I think I've learned today that I have a way higher pain tolerance than <laughs> I anticipated. And like in hindsight, it's ridiculous how much pain I was running through. And like, it's just, yeah, it's a big learning. It's my first injury and it's like a big learning kind of curve for me because I'm always like very on top of everything, very on top of all my injuries. But like if a physio tells you it's just plantar fasciitis, you can keep running through it. I'm obviously going to keep running through it, no matter how painful it is once I get the go ahead from a physio. So like no one, so yeah, it's just like, it's annoying to look back on because like I'm not like, I ran a 1500 PB Um, indoors but like for me it was like a hugely disappointing season Um, obviously just because yes I could run through my foot but obviously it was just taking away from my performance and I couldn't really like sprint through it I felt like I couldn't get like that last kind of like kick through it and my 800s were quite bad as well because I think of that like faster pace whereas I could kind of handle the 15s better so, um, yeah, it's just a lesson really that like <laughs> you just shouldn't like if you're limping around after you run every day, like it's just there's no matter who says it's OK, it's probably not like
0: it's not normal. It's no, not normal. It's not normal. <laughs> so but if we were to look at the positives, I would imagine your pacing has improved an awful lot throughout the races because you weren't able to rely on that kick at the end to get you into prime position to run a good time.
1: Would um, that be well, fair
0: or would it be just? No, or, I'd
1: say you're reaching a little bit. I know it's, it's I'm a coach, it's positive, my job so. to reach. Yeah, no, I think you're reaching a little bit there. I think like I was quite aerobically fit. Um, so I got some good training done over winter. Um, and then I got some good training done in January um on training camp despite managing the foot. So like aerobically, I was quite happy with where I was. Um and then obviously it just all didn't come together like that well just because of my foot. Um But um yeah sure look we'll go again soon hopefully (laughs) we take we take the positives learn the lessons
0: and we move on so it sounds like you're very much of the opinion at the moment that you're like what if i didn't have the foot injury i could have shaved another couple of seconds off that pb rather than thinking wow i'm a tough woman that i was able to run a pb with a tear in my plantar fascia or is it a combination of both yeah
1: yeah I, I know yeah it's hard I guess I try not to like look into it too much like it's just done now um wasn't a good season but it wasn't like a disaster either it was disappointing but I have a reason why so I guess I'm kind of just like put it behind me there's no point in like over analyzing it or anything but yeah it's more just like a lesson that like even like running through pain even if you physically can run like takes away from your like performance I'm sure that applies to any sport with any injury even if like you can physically play like if it hurts it's just it just like mentally gets to you and takes away from your performance for sure
0: yeah for sure and as you said it applies to any sport and any athlete um no matter how small the niggle it will affect your mindset to a certain degree I suppose but to talk on about your mindset now it sounds like you still have that hunger to go push and try and achieve great things next even if it is next season so do you think that now that you've had say a season that in your own words was a little bit disappointing for you does it leave you kind of hung hungrier to go at next season and achieve some more pbs and hit some and achieve some more, um, I suppose, medals, hopefully. But we don't talk about the medals. We talk about the process.
1: Um, yeah, for sure. I guess I'm always um, quite hungry, definitely. Like, I find that, like, doing well makes me hungry because I realise, oh, it's really fun when things go great and I want to make that happen again. But also, equally, when things aren't going well, you want to make them go well. So either way, I feel like my motivation is always quite strong. I don't really struggle with that. I'm hoping to be back this season. Um, obviously, um, it's it's a long season so world championships are at the end of July but the qualification closes at the end of this month so I don't see that happening for me unfortunately because I've only done two track, track sessions um, so far um, and I'm still a while off being in spikes but um, Europeans are at the end of August so like kind of the second I got the diagnosis of the tear I knew I had to take like a good few weeks off my kind of focus straight away switched to them because there's still like plenty of time to qualify and perform well at at them so that's kind of been my like lot at the end of the tunnel for for this injury
0: so to talk about the shift in focus then is your focus very much on qualification or is it on competing in that qualifier
1: um, no, it would definitely be a it, be a bit more ambitious than um, than just qualification for sure.
0: Okay, uh, so do you think that this injury, because you've talked about it already, has given you a new perspective on your training or on your competition to, or, or the way that you approach athletics, or is it very much the same bullish kind of? all costs mentality that you typically have because it sounds like you're so incredibly driven that it's just like this is it and this is what I'm going
1: for and I'm going to get it um I think it's definitely taught me there's different ways to get to like the same thing obviously I haven't got there yet so um my current uh my current journey is, is still under test so we can turn around and reflect on that a little bit better um after after August but um definitely um I've gotten a lot out of the cross training like way more than I expected I would have and I think that's definitely thanks to um my coach and the fact I was able to go to South Africa and like really like have really good facilities and have someone watching over me the whole time so um obviously when you're as a runner when you get an injury you're like straight away afraid of losing fitness and speed I would say more so fitness for like middle distance and up because like speed comes back and like two three weeks whereas like a base of fitness takes months so um obviously immediately I was afraid of losing that but like since I've done all I have started the cross training and I've seen what I can do there like that fear is like completely gone like I feel really confident in my fitness and it's been just like nice discovering how much you can get done on the bike and in the pool and like even on the rower so I think that's been um like really interesting and some like definitely something I'll, I'll take forward with me even when I'm not injured like I think I kind of learned to, you, maybe you don't need to run twice a day like there's other ways to kind of to do things and other ways to get sessions in and aerobic work in so I think I learned a lot there.
0: I was gonna ask if you have a new best friend because we had Orla Comerford on and she said that going through her injuries the, her best friend became the bike and looking at your Instagram over the last few months you've been on the bike quite, quite a lot so have you started to enjoy that style of cross training a little bit more than you had previously
1: yeah for sure um i had like very little experience of cross training luckily i've been like really lucky with my injury history and like i have not i'd say I only had like the experience of cross training to replace like an easy run if that made sense like i had no way to i didn't know how to like replicate a session so um i've been doing a lot of bike sessions on the walk bike and um, so yeah I'm seeing Orla. best of luck to you yeah 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 exactly yeah Orla's Orla's witnessed me and we've discussed it and stuff in the in the institute as well and um, like it's yeah it's it's really hard so um I definitely have managed to like work hard on that and you can definitely get your lactic up very high um on that probably actually even higher than on the track because you're sitting down so you can like handle more whereas if you got your lactic that high on the track like you just like wouldn't be able to run or stand anymore so good job
0: you're, good job you're sitting on the bike <laughs> yeah <status. laughs> exactly
1: so you can actually get more out of yourself so I definitely have a newfound respect for the cyclists and um, yeah and then I use the pool a lot and um, I can't like swim very well but I do aqua running so I definitely have got a lot out of that as well too
0: so just to touch on the bike then it sounds like previously you did a lot of Low intensity aerobic work for your aerobic base on the bike, but this time around, there's a lot of anaerobic work on there. So what sort of stuff have you been doing? Have you been doing interval type training fairly frequently, or have you been just absolutely battering yourself into submission on the bike, which is probably less fun and less advantage yeah
1: um everything really um I do a lot of like slow recovery zone like cycles um where I just keep my heart rate in kind of where I would have it for an easy run and then um yeah like maybe three bike sessions a week um mostly and then maybe more at different stages or less Um, so I'll do like can kind of replicate a tempo on the bike so get my Mm -hmm. heart rate the same for like 20 minutes as I would um, on a tempo and then we've been replicating sprints which hurt a lot on the bike as well so like 20 seconds on 20 seconds off stuff like that and then
0: how many sprints. reps are we talking I know it depends on the day yeah, like, but um, just to compare you and my athletes that are on the bike just so they're yeah. not moaning at me anymore
1: and <laughs> <laughs> um, what I do usually is like maybe 45 seconds 10 by 45 seconds off, 35 seconds rest and then take like four or five minutes and then do like 20 seconds hard as you can off 20 seconds 10 times. Um, so that's kind of my faster sprint session. Um, but yeah, it kind of varies every week, which is good. Like my coach is really good at like always kind of giving me different sessions. So I haven't found like the cross-training like that boring. Like, well, the long bike stuff is kind of boring. Like if I have like 60, 70, 80 minutes on the bike, that's boring, but like the sessions are kind of change every week. So that kind of keeps it interesting.
0: So you could envision yourself going and purchasing a racing bike post career and going out for a 60, 70, 80 minute run. You're definitely all about the Uh, running still, you reckon?
1: I'd probably rather do it outside. Um, And I guess I could have looked into that, but just I don't really have like somewhere I could do that like safely at speed. Especially (laughs) Um, not
0: in South Africa
1: not in South Africa and and not in South Dublin either so um um, but yeah it would have been it would have been definitely more interesting to do it outside for sure um but yeah I definitely would I think see myself keeping up running uh, rather than getting into cycling but who knows who knows
0: so to talk about looking at the same thing in front of you all the time then we'll touch on the aqua jogging as well I suppose because I have a fair experience with aqua jogging myself uh, with lower limb injuries and it is great as well but by god did I find it boring as hell and also sometimes when you're doing it you're well maybe it's just me probably not yourself because you've such experience with it I'm like I look like an absolute melon here so I do run it in this pool
1: yeah I definitely felt like that a lot (laughs) Yeah, because I feel yeah, I've had a lot of people like stop me, be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> but they ask nicely, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's it's boring. But I'd say I find the bike probably more boring because um, you're in one place, um, and also my bikes like easy bikes tend to be longer um, than the pool. I'm kind of saved by the pool times and that I'm at home. The one I was using, I'm always kicked out after forty-five minutes, so it's never that long. And um, so. I got a lot out of doing um, aqua running sessions and in South Africa particularly um, when I had not my coach with me and um, Matt he would like use a rope um, a bungee rope from the track and then like tie that around my waist so I do it on the spot and I just like go as hard as I could for whatever rep it was on the spot and then like if he could feel I was like kind of like losing focus or or tiring a little bit he'd like yank the rope to like (laughs) kind of wake me up and then like pull me so I had to like like aqua run against the rope if that made sense so that definitely kept you engaged um and yeah got your heart rate up for sure so and yeah definitely that was tough too it's kind of like you're not really going to tie a rope probably to the side of the pool yourself and um, so that's something I've kind of missed since I came home but it was it was perfect for that time in South Africa
0: that's interesting because the reason I didn't like the aqua running was probably because there was no feedback that's why I would favor the yeah. bike because I can actually see the monitor and look yeah. at the cadence or the wattage that I'm outputting whereas you actually had feedback from your coach there as to whether you were working hard enough so that must have made it an awful lot easier to do
1: Yeah, that made it way better. That's probably why since I came home from South Africa, I do more bike and less pool because yeah, you can kind of, um if I'm on my own for the pool it's it's hard to get the feedback especially because you're not really getting your heart rate as well because it's on it's underwater Um, so it was really good to have that in South Africa and like kind of would do different sessions the whole time and like yeah he could like tell if I was tired or whatever through like how much resistance was was going through um the rope so it was yeah definitely an interesting way to do things
0: are you the type of athlete that enjoys receiving that feedback fairly consistently throughout a session? Or do you prefer to get feedback post-session?
1: Um, Probably a bit of both. Um, I wouldn't need like that much during a session probably. But then sometimes like you can lose concentration. So it's good to have someone to tell you like to push harder and or like yeah or depending slow down whatever I definitely wasn't told to slow down in the pool but it was usually pushed harder but um yeah I think a bit of both but I wouldn't kind of like need loads like the last month I've kind of just like done everything myself and then I've because I've been at home in the institute um just doing on my bike session so I would like record it on the what bike app and then send them to Matt afterwards and then I'd kind of know like what what I should be hitting each time for each thing so I just kind of go off that so yeah whatever feedback I can find I guess even if it's like an app mm. <laughs> in that way
0: yeah so a lot of external feedback but I would imagine that you would be very in tune with yourself as well and you would be giving yourself internal feedback on how you're feeling throughout a session or a race etc as well so I wanted to ask maybe if you're getting that external feedback do you have a favoured kind of way of getting that feedback do you like kind of visual um, feedback like you said like the app or like video etc or do you like as much feedback from as many different ways as you can? Like you might be even getting the auditory feedback throughout the session of coaching cues or just trying to get your focus or somebody pulling on a rope, etc. Which is probably actually more feel than than uh, yeah, an auditory. That's,
1: that's an interesting one at the moment because obviously I've moved um coach. So I used to be with Anna Fitzpatrick and 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 he was really great. And I had him all through college and we had a really like good relationship. And I feel like he was probably like, probably a bit in hindsight, a bit too nice to me during training. It was always kind of, that's good, keep it up Nadia. It was kind of never faster, pick it up. So um, I think since I moved coach, um, my new coach is is a little bit tougher on me um, and I think at the start I was like oh why is he being so mean to me but well, then I just realized it's just different like and that ending was probably just like a little bit too nice I would say and um, so that's been a little of an, an adaption kind of having more like go faster go harder like that type of like feedback during a session and um, versus yeah that's great keep it up and then also like um, Matt I haven't obviously done many track sessions with him because I've been, I just got it just got injured as soon as I started, but, um, he like feeds back a lot on your form while you're running and I think that's going to be really beneficial to me and I know I really need it because my form isn't very good so um and I think the only way is like for someone to shout at you like (laughs) because it's very easy at the start of a rep when you're not tired to like say okay do this with your hands do this with your legs stay up tall and then obviously the second you get tired like you stop thinking about that and all your kind of like bad habits come in so it's super helpful actually having those uh, that feedback in in my forum and stuff during track so hopefully that translates to like more efficient running.
0: I think as well it's a point to note that the demographics that both coaches are coaching differs slightly I would say so maybe because of Enda's teaching background and his background with youth athletes and with younger athletes it's probably more advantageous for him to be the nice coach that gives the positive reinforcement yeah, um, I
1: actually completely agree with that. Yeah. And I think that's massive. Can not underestimate that actually. And I think obviously I've moved on from Ender, but I just have to like acknowledge he was literally mm. the most perfect coach for me trip college, if that makes sense. Like it yes. was it was just like the most perfect phase. And as you said, that feedback is perfect because he's he's trying to like And it kind of brings people from like a club level to like a a more serious international level or just even a more competitive club level. Um, And then it would be the same when he was in TCU. He's kind of getting people who are interested, but not that serious and making them more interested. And then obviously the people who really buy in, like, for example, Lauren Tinkler has like done really well um, True Enda. But she would have just like started with Enda as like quite a casual kind of schools runner um so he's like excellent for that phase and yeah if you're if you kind of turn up to dcu and you're like oh i might give this running a go where you turn up to dch now and um, where where my athletics are and the coaches um and you're like might give this a go yeah you don't want to be like have someone like roaring like at you about your form and stuff you know you need that positive encouragement and you want to like really enjoy it so i think yeah you're totally right there it's perfect for that phase
0: that's something that i talk about a bit when people Ask, I suppose I've had it in a and a few times, like who's a better coach? And you're comparing apples with oranges because the yeah. right coach is the right coach for the right athlete at the right time. And it yeah, sounds like right Matt is, is the right important. time for you now.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think yeah, you can't like you can't forget about how important the right time is. Like even when I look back on my first coach, yes, he wouldn't have brought me to a senior international level, but he was so perfect to keep me involved in the sport through my secondary school years and then yeah like Matt now has like experience as an international athlete himself um, and has obviously coached like 800 meter and like international medalists so um, yeah that's I think for me the right coach now to bring me to like be more competitive at a senior level internationally.
0: And it seems that Matt might have a particular interest in running form and running mechanics, which, as you said, there is a big focus point for you, probably in the next cycle. It sounds like, from what you said, though, earlier, that you can get your speed back in two to three weeks. Would you have always been an athlete that would be more, would find running fast easier? than being fit aerobically and running the longer distance, which is why you have to put particular emphasis on the longer distance. Because in theory, I know you said two to three weeks, you'll get your speed back. But if a lot of my athletes haven't been sprinting uh, very, very close to when we test them, They'll drop yeah. off in speed dramatically. So, would you be naturally inclined to being fast? Yeah.
1: See, I think it's different now because I've had so much time off running. So, it like, look, we'll see. Who knows? Like, we've been trying to replicate it on the bike and stuff, obviously, and like movements in the gym. But um, I think overall, um, I'd actually be more aerobic, definitely for um, eight hundred than than speed based. But just kind of like general rule, I would say, um, for like athletes in like yeah most distances from like 800 up like you do like a big block of like endurance and then you kind of sharpen up for your races like and that can be like maybe some people that might take like six weeks to sharpen up for their races and that that would be kind of running at like race pace and faster if that makes Mm -hmm. sense Mm -hmm. and then but for me usually like I can do let's say for indoor season I can usually get away with doing like just like really long endurance stuff all winter and then um like two and a half three weeks of um indoor and like indoor faster kind of race pace stuff and then like usually I've been able to the last few years like get myself into like 202 shape off that like quick enough not this year (laughs) because I just did not run well indoors but and like just giving an example of I guess the, the two years before that yeah
0: it sounds like you know your body quite well now and you know what it responds well to and what it doesn't really like as much. Would that be fair to say and probably even more so after this injury?
1: Um yeah, it is fair to say, but also um for sure, and that's an I think that's really important for athletes is to like know thing, know like when it's too much, when it's too little. I definitely get it wrong sometimes. Um, as I did with my foot and as I did probably um it's
0: probably the further end of the section yeah, rather yeah, the than near, would you?
1: but in terms of like training yeah I think I can like measure it quite well it's just like a skill you acquire the more you train I think so um like most people probably get it as they d- develop and I'm sure I'll get even better as it at it as I kind of like go on but um definitely still need coaches input and then obviously like me moving coach I need new input because I want to improve so like I need I, I guess I don't know how to make myself a sub two runner or whatever so I just I, that's why I kind of moved and needed like new input there so I definitely don't know it all but can yeah like know the kind of cues of when I'm tired and stuff like that for sure
0: yeah and I'm sure you have an open dialogue with your coaches as well as to look I'm not really feeling great um, today maybe we need to reduce the volume of this session although I wouldn't Ah, uh, see you saying that too often. Going by the way you're speaking, uh, there now. I'd say you are so driven that sometimes, the last few months being an example, you kind of convince yourself that you're grand and that you're able to pu- um push. Whereas sometimes the coach, as a guide, can say, "No, do you know what? We're going to cut it there. You've done enough work um that's of high quality there. That we've done enough. Go and recover now and get get your recovery in, and we'll come back and tomorrow will be another day."
1: Yeah I think it's really important to have that um conversation with your coach for sure and to be comfortable to do that so I definitely have always been a big advocate for just like being able to communicate a lot with your coach and um, so yeah obviously as I said I get it wrong sometimes but I think um like your coach doesn't know how you feel or, or your physio or your like strength coach so like you know you can't just expect them to know so I think yeah it's just like super important for athletes to like not be afraid to talk about it
0: absolutely the more information that the coach the therapist the practitioner gets the better because they can use that information to help guide you to uh, a higher level of performance I suppose but I would imagine being down in South Africa with the warm weather training there I suppose and the nice weather and the nice kind of things outside of training, as well as having everything in one place, it becomes a little bit easier to get the sessions in. How enjoyable an experience and how convenient was it to have everything in one place rather than when you're in Ireland? It might seem like small distance, but everybody that lives in Dublin knows getting across town can be a nightmare. So was it a lot easier being set there for your rehabilitation? and and now I suppose you're going to have to see what it's like in London but you've only been there a week so you don't really yeah. know.
1: Yeah um, definitely I think that's one of the main reasons you go to more um, weather camps so I usually go two times a year and yeah it's just everything in one place um, and that's just super important I think you can't like underestimate how much like logistics are important for athletes because like if you're, like, driving an hour in traffic for training, especially, like, twice a day or something like that's going to take away from your motivation and, like, how excited you are for training. And, like, even if it's maybe in January, you're trying to get sessions done in Dublin and the weather's terrible and you can't hit your times and you go into races with no confidence. So, yeah, I, I know it might seem maybe to people outside the sport, like, a bit like, oh, but good for them going off to the sun, but, like, there is reasons and it, like, literally does, like, benefit your your preparation and even when you're not running like me um for South Africa I had it booked before I knew I couldn't run so obviously like the doctor originally was like oh maybe don't go to South Africa and then I discussed it with Matt and I was just like no like I can get all the training done there's good physios there like I'll get the most out of my rehab process if the gym and the pool and the bike and everything is there versus at home like knowing I should have been on camp but now I'm injured like I just would have been so hard mentally for a month to like train twice a day on my own.
0: Absolutely and I'm sure as well like having that new set of therapists and that new team around you enhanced your motivation or drove it on another little bit as well as the setting of South Africa but was it a little bit daunting going to work with all these new people as well as exciting for a big move for the camp and how did you manage that then as well was it more communication than you were used to because the therapists and the coaches didn't know you as well
1: um yeah it was definitely daunting um for sure because I had obviously only met my coach and then I'd met my strength coach once and um and then the therapist who works with the group as well but I hadn't met like anyone on the team um, and they're all boys so I was <laughs> so yeah it's like I'm going away on a camp I'm injured <laughs> can't run I'm going on a running camp with a group of people I've never met for a full month to the other side of the world in a boot so like the first time I met these people, I'm getting like wheeled around in the airport in Istanbul, <laughs> in a wheelchair by the airport with a boot, and I'm just like, "Hi" to my new teammate. So that was really funny, um, but uh, yeah, so it definitely was, um, I put like me putting myself outside my comfort zone but I'd always be a big advocate for that and so I just kind of went for it it was like look surely South Africa would be better than me going to Temple College swimming pool every day for a month on my own so I just went for it and it was yeah it's definitely worth it
0: I think we could all agree with that one but I would say as well like it's noticeable when you're racing any of the races you'd watch like you have quite a good rapport with all of your teammates and competitors. So was that kind of seamless to fit in with the lads down there? And is that something that comes naturally to you? Or is it you pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and being more of an extrovert? Um, As you just touched on there, you like to do a lot.
1: Yeah, I would say um, it's something that I've kind of learned about myself in the last few years that I actually just kind of like love meeting new people and like I'm kind of now picked up the kind of like mindset that if I'm put in a new si- new situation, I'm just kind of like ah, I'm sure I'll be fine. Like I'm sure I can get along with them. It'll be fine. So I've just kind of because like you just meet so many different people at meets, and like I can just be sent to this eight hundred in like Slovakia, and I don't know who's going to be there, and I don't know who I'm going to sit with at lunch and dinner, and like and you yeah, end up just like sitting with whoever from whatever event from whatever country and just like chatting to them and getting to know them and like i look back and all that and i think i'm super lucky and um, that Alex gives me that opportunity to like meet so many new people and then like push myself kind of socially in that way too so um it yeah so then it kind of makes me be like oh i'm sure i'll be fine and it was kind of a similar mindset moving to london now i was just like okay yeah i'm moving for running i'm living with like a roommate i don't know but like oh it'll be fine hopefully <laughs> so that's kind of just how i go about things because i like to think yeah i'd get along with most people well <laughs>
0: you're you not that far about
1: me Well, too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i'm sure they would but you're not that far in london anyway and there's loads of irish athletes over in London as well so you you'd definitely be fine over there loads of people you know and you're less than an hour to get back to Dublin so yeah um, no
1: exactly like I knew moving over it was like a very like safe move if that makes sense okay. um, and that was like a big factor why I picked like the training group I did because like I was like London is somewhere I'd actually want to live if I wasn't a runner as well so that was like one of the motivations for sure
0: So then to talk about training groups and what you just said there about meeting people that are going to be running the 800 with you from other countries, other teams, et cetera. And there's a very strong team of 800-meter runners in Ireland at the moment, all of you knocking each other off the top spot consistently over the last couple of years. I'd be interested to ask you then, what happens come race day in relation to these relationships when you're at the start line? Do you think like, Oh, I have to beat her, or do you just think right? I'm just going to run my best race that I possibly can, and whatever happens, happens. Or is there a little bit kind of of that competitiveness comes out?
1: No, I think the competitiveness is there. Like none of us would get to our level at all. I think you can be competitive and you can want to like beat people, but you can also be good friends with them. Like Mm -hmm. I think it's just like a balance of that, and I've I've kind of grown up with that because my best friend Carla and from school we were both like kind of the same ability since we were like like 10 or something and then we went to school together and like we were best friends but obviously race day like I want to see Carla do great and everything but like on race day if I'm racing her I want to be her so I guess I was used to it. Um but yeah it doesn't it's probably be more fun for everyone watching if everyone hated each other. Um but <laughs> like don't get me wrong I'm sure I, I want to win and I'm sure they all want to win but yeah I think you can do both if that makes sense you can be friends and also want to be people
0: (laughs) absolutely and I'd say at the start line there's quite a variance in the athletes like some athletes mightn't even look at you I would say because they're so focused on themselves and others might be almost wishing you best of luck on the way to the start line which type are you like if you and Carla were going to race now would you say right 10 minutes before the race I'm not going to talk to her or just before the the gong goes, would you be saying best luck?
1: I remember when we were younger I used to I used to be the relaxed one and Carla I used to be really nervous now I'm literally talking Dublin championships under 10 now and I'd be like why isn't Carla saying hello to me today? and then like we'd be like racing each other and like probably elbowing and pushing each other in the race and then after we do our cool down together and be like going off to McDonald's after or something so it really depends I think I like to try be relaxed um before races so I would um yeah, just be fine with saying like good luck or whatever. Obviously, like don't want to be like chatting to someone and warming up with them if you're about to race them. But like I, I like to, I don't know, I just think it takes extra energy to be like glaring mm. at all your competitors.
0: You like to be relaxed going into the, to the yeah, race, like yeah. which is completely understandable. Yeah. And it's just like the two different type of type of athletes, I suppose. They say there's a warrior and a warrior, and the warriors would benefit more from having a lower level of arousal coming into a race and the warriors benefit from the higher level. Um, I myself would definitely be a warrior so it's probably better for me to go in relax and not even thinking about what's going to happen if I'm going to play a game et cetera. Um, yeah. but I wouldn't even say that now I'm on one end of the spectrum I'd say you can find yourself across that you could be somewhere in the middle and it might change depending on the race. Um,
1: yeah no for sure that's definitely an important factor it does change depending on the race versus like a championship versus just like a timed race where you're trying to get like qualification or like it, it does it does depend like what you want to achieve out of the race
0: so then I wanted to ask you about like the pressure that you put on yourself because there's quite a contrast there between like I've heard you speaking before about post races. If you don't perform well, you could be thinking about it for a longer time. This might actually match up well with what we what we just talked about there a second ago, because pre-race, you're, you're trying to be complete, completely relaxed at least. So maybe you would be towards one end of that spectrum of more of the warrior type athlete, because you obviously are so committed to it and you want to do so well in it that you probably can't help, but if you don't achieve the goals that you've set for yourself, thinking about it long into the night uh, afterwards
1: yeah um, that's something I'm like actively trying to change and because it's just like I really learned last year like it doesn't make me run better if I like beat myself up after a bad race like if I had a bad race it's usually because something was going on I messed up or like I just wasn't like in the shape I thought I was pace went like obviously there's loads of reasons but like it's done it's not because I turned up to the start line and was like oh I don't feel like it today like it's never that reason I always gave 100% but sometimes that 100% isn't performance I hope for so I think I've worked a lot with like my sports psychologist on that and because I just realized it just like pulls down my mood and enjoyment of the sport overall so um I definitely have not mastered it at all but I think the best athletes know how to like pull out a good performance in tough times but also put a bad performance behind them really quickly and move on and then perform well again the next day even after they have a bad day so I think that's something I need to like continue to work on so I think although in hindsight looking at my indoor season I was like disappointed with every race to be honest but um i wasn't falling crying after them all so that was a little win
0: for me I, I got positive out of you eventually yeah. so I did um I assume it's still Jessie that you're working with and she's so positive as well that like that's obviously got to be a great help but I wanted to ask you then off the back of that do you have any specific strategies that reduce the amount of kind of stress post-race now or the the like well you must I suppose if you're working with her
1: yeah um yeah I still work with Jessie and she's great obviously like I haven't I'm nearly like hmm what were my strategies now because it's so long since I raced or been in that mm-hmm. competition that mindset now um but yeah we have definitely worked on it a lot Um, I would say it's kind of what I said in, in the last question just like reflecting like it was not like yes it was my fault I ran badly but it wasn't because I like didn't try my best and just reflecting on that and like sometimes it's out of my control or it was just a bad day and I just need to like acknowledge that it's done and like beating myself up about it does not improve my performance the next day so it's kind of just around that
0: so then do you have any specific things that are your go-to to to then switch off from athletics because obviously like you're obviously far more than an athlete. Like you've just completed your degree in DCU marketing. I think it was mint. Mint. Um, And then you have all your friends outside of athletics as, as well as within athletics. So post-race, do you do anything yourself to kind of just switch off or maybe not even post-race because being an athlete is a full-time gig Now You have to keep up with all these sponsorships. You're on social media. People like me are annoying. you looking for podcast (laughs) interviews. Um, do you like set aside time for your nadia time essentially?
1: Um yeah, definitely. I would say just like really simple, boring things like just like Netflix, um, like after a race particularly, like I have to just like put like put a, put away my phone and just like it's hard to sleep usually after a race, so I'll just watch Netflix until I fall asleep basically. Um and then like outside of kind of the racing scenario just kind of standard stuff like going for coffee going for food and um, obviously in a new city now so that's super exciting so um, I'll be exploring that I have some friends that are, that are here for the summer so excited just to have a look around with them and then it's always nice to have friends that aren't runners and um, as much as I love my friends that are runners it's always nice to have friends that aren't runners and um, because I think, yeah, that's the best way to switch off because, like, you literally can't talk about running with them because they don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> I think that's important. And then um, in terms of, like, um, my degree, at the moment I'm not working, but um, I'm kind of, like, considering it at the at the moment. Like, if I want to work purely for, like, obviously financially, it's, it's, it's a good idea. It's beneficial, but, yeah. It's beneficial, <laughs> especially living in pricey London. But I think also, like... last week I was like hmm I could just do it like a way to switch my mind off right now because I'm training twice a day and it's busy and like you're kind of cooking and resting and whatever and getting stuff done in between but like it is nice to have other things to think about and sometimes it kind of like takes your mind off it and then positively impacts your performance so that's something I'm considering at the moment like I had it in my head after college I was going full time and just focused everything on running but like now I'm like Would it be beneficial for my performance to have like a job like to help me kind of switch off? So, yeah, stay tuned for the decision on that, I guess. And if anyone wants to hire an athlete who is busy all the time and in different countries. (laughs) So, we'll see if that works out. um, Yeah, we'll see.
0: But would it be fair to say that if you went in on it, just from listening to you know, you would go in on it and you'd want to do the best possible job that you possibly could? So it might add to the stress of being an athlete in a little bit. bit. So it definitely probably couldn't be a full-time working role. Probably a part-time one would suit you better.
1: Yeah. Oh, there's not a hope I'm considering a (laughs) full-time role for sure. Especially in London. No, it's just like not physically possible. But yeah, so it's like a part-time thing. But yeah, I would obviously want to do well if I was working because I actually really liked um, what I studied. And like, I'd be like quite like aware of that I have a career after running and I'd be kind of like wouldn't be obsessing over it or anything at all but I'm aware of it and like I I want it to go well so yeah I probably would want to do a good job but in only a few hours a week I guess.
0: And you'd have something to talk to your mates about as well that wasn't running related because as you said when you're talking to them about running related stuff they'd be looking at you like you have two heads. Yeah. Um, Is that hard sometimes when you're with your friends that don't run for them to empathise with what you're going through or is it good in a way that sometimes they're just like ah yeah but Natty, it's just running like we'll just have a drink we'll have a coffee like.
1: Oh no, it's absolutely brilliant because it's irrelevant to them if I ran 1 second slower than I hoped to. Like they just like don't have a good concept for it. Now, to be fair, they have tried a lot and they're getting much better, so they probably know a, a lot now more than they did a few years ago, but I think it's like so healthy to have people who just don't not that they don't care, but they just don't know about it and to be able to switch off like that. And it's not like I have a shortage of people to speak to who do understand. So it's good to have people that also don't understand that I can just not go to with my my athletics problems with.
0: But as you said there, you you have a great network of friends and and other athletes that you've worked with or have been teammates. Has it been hard to watch them competing this? summer or this season or do you still like watching all the meets and watching them perform or do you try and switch it off a little bit just for your own well-being
1: yeah it's definitely been tough I like not gonna lie I think like it was so fine in hindsight having an injury and being on camp and it's all great you're on camp and you're training hard and then it's like it kind of got way harder once the season started to be honest like watching the races and you just kind of feel like time slipping away from you Is like watching your teammates progress so like yeah I literally can't lie it's just like really hard I still do watch um some of the races if I feel like it like some days I don't feel like it at all so I won't watch anything or check any results and then other times I will watch them and like be happy for for people like who've supported me throughout the years and like just enjoy watching them. But um it's definitely like probably the toughest part of any injury.
0: That's the thing as well. Like you're happy for them and you're not begrudging them at all, but it's more so it's putting pressure on you in terms of time pressure that you're just probably putting on yourself as well at the same time. Because like it sounds horrible to say but don't worry I'll say it not you it's probably harder because everybody's just doing so well over this season everybody's yeah. hitting pbs especially in your events so
1: yeah.
0: like you're kind of thinking I want to get back on the track so that I can go and compete with these girls again
1: yeah yeah definitely um yeah no it is hard in that way um obviously the standards continuing to improve which is good and that I know that makes me a better athlete too but yeah it is hard when you just like can't do anything about it you know what I mean so I'm just trying to like keep it day by day and also like obviously I still have time this season and but it's also like important for me to think whatever happens this season um, and that's not taking away like what I hope to achieve this season because I'm still very serious about Mm the season but I have like years ahead of me where I won't be injured, um, hopefully. So I'm just like trying to take the pressure off in that way. And just like, I have like a full career to achieve all the things I want to achieve. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. So yeah, like I think in terms of maybe watching my event it's hard because I can't um respond um just even like internationally and everything, but I think I've been enjoying watching um Sarah Lavin particularly um because she's my roommate from uh Tokyo and I think um she's been someone who I've been like I know she's had these, she's had the feeling I've had of like being sidelined and doing everything she can with an injury and watching other people like her peers competing and doing well. So it's kind of like I look to her as like someone who like she's been through it all and look at her now and she's going so well. So I kind I've been enjoying definitely like watching all of her races.
0: And with that kind of injury as well, I would imagine because in athletics, like it's not financed well in Ireland unfortunately Um, you have to build a a brand around you being an athlete and having a number of different sponsorships and stuff there may be a little bit of fear when the injury comes that you might lose those lucrative kind of sponsors that you've worked so hard to build so how do you manage that as well and how do you actually go about building a personal brand and what would be your advice to younger athletes around doing so yeah
1: obviously that's that's like a fear every athlete has um I'm lucky with um my my current sponsors that they've been like pretty supportive like optimum um nutrition for sure have have been like you know like not they haven't been like that's great that you're injured at all but they've been like like it's it's fine it's part of the process like like share your story use the products to help you like They've been really supportive. Then, obviously, like Adidas as well have been super helpful, and like Toyota have renewed my contract still despite me obviously being injured and um, the last while. So, um, yeah, just really grateful for for them. But obviously, um, yeah, it's 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 a worry. It's a worry for um for athletes for sure. And I think in terms of um the branding, um, I I'm probably have like changed my mind about this a lot um probably over the last few years as of now I'm kind of just in the mindset that like if you perform well that takes care of itself I think obviously it's important to think about how you come across and it's really important to like from a marketing point of view me studying it like representing your sponsor as well because they're investing in you and they deserve that but I think um like just I don't think like you need to think too much about building a brand about yourself Mm. because if you just run well like everything takes care of itself so that's definitely my priority
0: there's an analogy in australia in rugby league i think it is and they say just play good footy and everything else just takes care of itself so your number one thing is obviously that has got the sponsorship deals etc is your performance Yeah. most of the time anyway so if you focus on the performance then it should be A OK. But at the same time, I'd be interested to ask you when a potential sponsor comes and shows a little bit of interest in you, do you kind of typically look and say, right, does this sponsor align well with my values as a person before you decide to work with them?
1: Yeah, of course. That's important because I think like. You need to be authentic and like if you're going to promote the brand you want to promote a product you're excited about it's very easy to promote a product you're like genuinely enjoy and are excited about and like a brand that you like align with versus like I don't know like I've never really promoted something that I really don't like but like you know if I had let's say was wearing clothes I really hate it <laughs> like I wouldn't want to put up a picture of them whereas like now, if I have like a really nice Adidas top, I'm naturally just going to be like, oh, I'll put a picture of this on my Instagram because I like this top anyway. And then it's advertising for them. And then similarly with like um, Optimal Nutrition, I use the products every day. So I'm going to like, of course, show that them. I have the pro- product with me today and I'm using it. So, and then, yeah, similarly again with, with my car, I use the car every day. So you're you're going to show it. So yeah, it's just important to be authentic in that way. And definitely like me from, Um, studying marketing and being interested in that whole area outside of that and it gives me like a different perspective on it as well so it kind of brings it home even more so how important that is.
0: So this is uh, this one's a little bit outside the box now and feel free to throw it back at me but (laughs) if you were in the other shoes or from your perspective on the opposite side of that sponsorship kind of deal what makes the most difference for you as the athlete or the face of the brand from what the brand does for you is it a personal touch is it small little things like actually showing an interest in what you're doing is it small messages or or what is it like
1: sorry are you saying this as in i'm the marketing manager giving someone sponsorship or so I'm-
0: from from your perspective advice to brands who are seeking athletes are seeking the person that's going to be the face of the brand what can they do themselves to show that they actually care about the athlete?
1: um I think just support them well throughout their career like definitely go back to like that example with Optimum how they were like really supportive about my injury like just even talking to the marketing manager then and like that stuff like obviously super important as well and yeah I think just like having a good relationship no pressure I think pressure like there's definitely that's known as well with like sponsorship certain certain brands and stuff like placing pressure on athletes and like like having to cut athletes if they're not performing well but like obviously an athlete is being signed on a contract it is their job to perform well you can't forget that but of like placing like unnecessary pressure with like ridiculous goals and like cutting them over like something very small is obviously not going to then make an athlete want to like favorably like promote you if that makes sense And so I think yeah just having a good relationship knowing the people working working there in the marketing is really nice and I definitely have that relationship um with um with my sponsors so that's that's really nice too because you're kind of like it's not just a brand it's like you have the people behind It's a relationship it's a relationship for sure definitely
0: yeah apologies on that one because that was a pretty tough one but you answered it you answered it very well I don't know Uh, if I did to be honest I I think you did I think you did like and I'm sure by the sounds of it they would know what's going on in your life as well like in terms of races etc going by you have a personal relationship with that person and even if they wouldn't know what races are coming up they will be inquisitive and they'd be asking you during these conversations, what is going on, how the injury is going, how rehab is going, and how you're doing mentally with the rehab. What can we do to help you more? Yeah,
1: no, that stuff's really nice. And I think, um, yeah, support is really important for athletes, even just, yeah, people, like, asking how they are, that type of thing, like, makes a difference. Or just, can we help with this? Can we help with that? That type of thing does make a difference, especially if someone's, like, going through a hard time.
0: And to touch on support and two people that we haven't mentioned yet, I've heard you speak an awful lot about your parents in the past and how they didn't necessarily have a huge background in elite level athletics, but they've still supported you very, very well in all of your pursuits. Like I'm sure they've had to make like a lot of sacrifices over the years to help you on your way and, and, lead to you kind of developing into the young athlete and role model that you are now. So like just talk to me a bit about how pivotal they have been in your development and all of the things that they've done for you, I suppose. And and you don't have to touch on it for too long. And it's a very tough question. And it's always hard to talk about your parents, I know as well. So
1: yeah. Um I think with them they just like got the right amount. They like kind of hit the sweet spot of support because I think if you're like if you overdo it and you over encourage then it like negatively backfires on an athlete um and like places pressure on them if you see like your parent is so into how you perform and like your progress in a sport like that can then turn around and make you hate it so I think I'm really grateful that I never got that I always just got like it was just facilitated for me if that Mm -hmm. makes sense so that's really what I want to be like if I'm a parent I just want to like facilitate my athlete or sorry my athlete that's exactly what I don't want me baby being like there's my
0: athlete stable the stable of athletes
1: yeah no you want to facilitate like as in if that like child wants to train once a week and doesn't want to commit that much but enjoys that once a week then bring them if that child wants to be the next world championship or world champion and needs to train twice a day and travel and needs that financial investment which is obviously of course difficult for parents then also facilitate that as well and like just let them decide to what degree they wanted to do and do things like or how seriously so I definitely have had that from my parents the whole time they just kind of went with it and it was always like me kind of moving up and like setting my goals higher and higher they never said oh wouldn't it be great if you went to the olympics or wouldn't it be great if you were running full time after college or anything like that it was never that but then it was when i said okay well i do want to aim for the olympics it was how can we help if that makes sense so yeah i'm just really grateful for that and i think they got it they just like really got it right particularly um, my mom has a big interest in athletics, so she would have kind of a much better concept of it than my dad. My dad thinks it's great when I run a race and run for Ireland, but apart from that, doesn't really. <laughs> know that's good, though. Much. That's nice. That yeah, tells me he's proud of me and says well done, and that's all I need. But kind of my mom would have a really good like understanding of it and would like go to as many events as possible and stuff like that.
0: It sounds like they really allowed you to make your own decisions as well, though. Like you make the decisions and we'll be right there behind you. And their support, like you said about your friends that aren't in the athletics world, it's completely unconditional on how well you do. And that's made a massive difference as well. Like it's probably nice that your dad doesn't care if you can 14th, or if you came second or first or whatever, uh, he, he's still there and he's still proud of you and he still thinks you're doing great things, even though yeah. you yourself are putting pressure on yourself and saying, No, I didn't do well, dad. I'm not happy with how I did.
1: Yeah, I think that support network is really nice because I just feel like I necessarily don't have any like outside pressure on me to perform well. Um, it's just like all from myself, if that makes sense. Like my friends are super supportive and if like they were really supportive, like last summer when I qualified for the Olympics. But they'd equally love it if I gave up running and was out on nights out with them all the time too. I'm sure. So, um, it's it's just nice having um, yeah, that support around you, and it's as you said, unconditional. That like it's it they don't care how well you do or not. So basically all the pressure just comes through me.
0: Are they good at telling you when you're putting a little bit too much on yourself, or you're beating yourself up a little bit too much?
1: Um I would say yeah pre- probably um my mom and my boyfriend James would be good at that and um, definitely uh, and <laughs> they probably get a hard time off me if they say that to me at the wrong time but um yeah they would be
0: So how do you find the right time as a supporter or a peer or a parent or how do you know do you just have to know the person and know when it's the right time or do you have to leave them process what has happened first and then
1: yeah yeah it's a hard one I think it very much depends on the person like some people if can't talk about bad performance just want to be distracted or not talk at all other people want to debrief it all and rip it apart and decide straight away what went wrong with it so yeah to be honest I can't help that much with that I think you just have to be able to to know the person
0: okay well you've helped enough so far anyway we're happy with how we've gone so we'll move on to the quick fire questions so the first one is proudest achievement to date
1: Um, I would say probably my under 23 European bronze medal. And it was like, just like a big breakthrough for me at the time. And I kind of like really aimed to have that medal. So it was like, just, yeah, I think that that's my best athletics memory, probably.
0: Okay. Deadly. Did you aim to place there then? You just said, look, I'm just going to get a medal. I don't care. Or was it, as we talked about earlier, like I'm going to run a specific time?
1: No, I, like, really aimed to place. And in <laughs> hindsight, I always thought of it, the bronze medal. I know that sounds bad. But, like, the whole year, I literally just, like, visualised myself. Like, because I I knew it was, like, a long shot to get a medal. So, I kind of imagined myself, like, scraping a bronze, which is obviously, in hindsight, probably not the right mentality. But it was a big jump in mentality still at the time to mm. even imagine myself getting a medal. So, yeah, I, like literally aimed at that for like I remember was just like six months and I just like kept like telling my mom that I was gonna win a medal she was like okay then <laughs> kind of like no like dismissing me and then so that was a nice one to actually do it so I definitely need to bring that into my my senior career
0: we just talked about earlier though it was probably the right mentality for you at that time yeah, not exactly. anymore exactly
1: exactly yeah it was it was the right mentality at the time yeah
0: so next one is favorite athlete of all time.
1: Oh, I don't really have one. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's
0: all right. You can be yeah, yourself.
1: I'm, yeah, I have like kind of. I go through phases, like different ones, uh, like different people I like. And um, in terms of athletics, I try to like. Obviously, I have favorite athletes, but I think. As I got older, I tried to, like, not put anyone on a pedestal because then mm-hmm. it, that then takes away from my performance if I go to, like, a world championships or something and I see someone and I'm like, oh, my God, they're amazing. They're so much better because they're not. there's just another person who's, like, competing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So in athletics, I try to not have someone I really idolise.
0: Is there um, anybody outside athletics?
1: Yeah, I think um outside athletics, um, such a basic answer, but I, I enjoy, like, um the... Um, I enjoyed what's it called? The last dance. The last dance. So, um, yeah, so I, I definitely enjoyed that. I wouldn't say like Michael Jordan's like my like diehard favorite athlete ever, but um I definitely like enjoy that and learning about his mentality it's quite like different to everything um, I've experienced. So um I recently read the book um by his trainer um who I can't think of his name. Um it's a book called Winning.
0: He was on Stephen Bartlett's yeah, exactly. Diary of CEO yeah. recently. Yeah. He was great.
1: Yeah. yeah, he was good. I read, oh, it's annoying me. I can't think of his name. But um, yeah, so that was interesting. But yeah, I kind of go through phases. Don't have like a kind of diehard one.
0: Have you been listening to many podcasts lately? Because I know you love a podcast. And I know yeah, you listen um, to the high performance. And I didn't yeah. know you listened to Diary of CEO, but another great yeah. one.
1: Yeah, I actually, I'd say that's the one I've been listening to um the most at the moment. Um, I kind of, I fell out a little bit with the high performance one I think once I got injured I was just like I just want to switch off a little bit to be honest because like you know talking about like performing and stuff like that's just like out of my control at the moment so I try to kind of get out of the sports podcast and I definitely like stop listening to running podcasts stuff like that so um I quite like Diary of a CEO um and then um because I like hearing about like business and like CEOs and that I find that really interesting and then um I also like just listening to like stupid girly podcasts as well and um, to take my mind off performance and being the best and that type of thing because the story of the CEO is like that as well um, and yeah. so I quite like and um, like Bogue and Joanne my therapist goes to me as well
0: yeah that's a big one for I have I tried to get through that and I just couldn't I'm probably not the demographic that they're maybe looking for
1: not, not. Um <laughs>
0: But in terms of Diary CEO, I love Stephen's style of questioning that he goes with um, and his active listening, like listening to the guest and then not caring where the podcast goes. I really enjoy that because every single one of the episodes is very, very different. Whereas I found not that I'm not criticizing it at all. I found with the high performance podcast it can be quite similar because they're all coming from a similar kind of pursuit in a way yeah whereas... I
1: agree I think that's why I kind of just needed a break from that even though at the height of it I really love that one but yeah I find um the diary of the CEO has kind of like a broader um base of, of guests and yeah it kind of goes in all sorts of directions and yeah I think he's a really good interviewer as well
0: any artists you've been listening to a lot recently more than um, any others
1: I just always listen to Taylor Swift I know it's so basic as well. <laughs> <But> <laughs> like uh, not for the cross training, the hard bike sessions that'd be more like rap music and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I love a bit of Taylor Swift. I can't lie.
0: <laughs> Shake it off on the bike. I'm sure you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it actually hasn't. Mean I haven't used that one on the bike. I've kind of left her aside for the bike, and I just have to because it hurts so much, and because I have to lock in. I go with go with some hip hop and rap there. But outside of that, yeah, I like Taylor.
0: Who's your go-to in the hip hop and rap then?
1: Um, probably like Kanye, Jay Z. Mm. I like uh, Jack Harlow recently as well, some of his songs. Um, so yeah, get but yeah, let's getting sick of them all, quick enough now with <laughs> I need to update the playlist.
0: Have you had time to read any books lately?
1: Um, oh, I'm a terrible reader, unfortunately. I find life podcasts are kind of my way mm-hmm. to educate myself in that way. Um. Yeah, I just get bored. So the but last, one, yeah. the last one I read was that one and um, winning. Um, mm-hmm. well, I just can't think of his name, but yeah, by Tim, the train.
0: Tim Grover just kept me. Tim Grover,
1: exactly, um, it's Tim Grover. So he is the um, yeah, the coach of. I don't. know, He's kind of like. Just general trainer of uh, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, so mm-hmm. um, I thought that was actually really what I actually flew through that, and then I think that was at the start of when I just got diagnosed, and my sports um therapist gave me that, and it was like a really nice gift for when I was just like, oh, how will I get through this, and that like kind of helped me lock it lock in a little bit and focus.
0: It's mad in the states the way like a trainer will be with one athlete maybe a a couple of them but they'll just be with them and that'll be their full-time job you're just my coach and that's what you do
1: yeah um yeah it's crazy
0: it's so different i suppose over here where you'd be working with multiple athletes i suppose but that's just the case i suppose in the states that's where the money is um exactly what's the biggest thing you've learned in the last 12 months
1: um oh god um I think they kind of lesson around that it doesn't make me perform better if I'm mm-hmm. hard on myself about a bad result.
0: And what would you tell your 18-year-old self?
1: Um, I would tell my 18-year-old self that um, to just keep putting one foot in front of the other in terms of achieving your goals and you don't necessarily need to think too far ahead or believe that you can achieve those things. You just need to keep doing the actions to get towards them. I don't know if i explained
0: that well but it's all about the process just yeah, do, do, exactly. putting one foot in yeah. front of the other and whatever happens happens
1: yeah
0: thanks a million nadia that was great
1: thank you thanks so much for having me appreciate it